I was like, I'm sure there's going to be somebody out there. For no other reason than I just had faith that there was going to be somebody out there that was going to be able to help me. When Judy LaRaga's oncologist told her she needed a bone marrow transplant to be cured of chronic myeloid leukemia in 2004, she consented to the aggressive procedure immediately despite the risks and challenging treatment course it entailed. And as a Hispanic woman, her chances of finding a suitable donor match to even get the transplant were slim. But she found one. And who that somebody turned out to be would change Judy's life forever, strengthen her faith in God, and bring a whole new dimension to a family secret her mother revealed on her deathbed. It would be 15 years before she knew the rest of the story. This episode of Bloodworks 101 is a little bit different, spanning all the way to Texas, across decades of a closely held family secret, and all set in motion with a simple question a Bloodworks phlebotomist asked a lifetime blood donor in the Linwood Donor Center in 2004. That woman speaking a moment ago was Texas resident Judy Laraga, mother, sister, leukemia survivor. What are we doing telling the story of a woman from Texas in her search for a bone marrow donor? Keep listening. This is a story you're never going to forget. Cancer came into Judy's life disguised as something else, as it always is. It was 2004, and for weeks she'd been having severe night sweats, waking up drenched. She was 40 years old, far too young for menopause, and her gynecologist seemed concerned. Let's do a workup on her, he said to his nurse. Make it look like she's dying. He's like, did anybody come with you? And I said, no, I'm by myself. He's like, did doctors try to not tell you what was found? And I said, no, he just said something was found in my blood. And then he came over and held my hand. He goes, sweetie, you have leukemia. And I was like, what? And it took me a minute to process. He goes, we need to figure out what kind. I I still, I guess I was just in shock. So he's like, we're going to do a bone marrow aspiration. I need to figure out what kind it is so we know how to get treatment. So that was when I had my first bone marrow aspiration. And then he called me back and told me that it was CML. Once her diagnosis was confirmed through a bone marrow aspiration, discussions turned quickly to her treatment options. None of them were good, but only one offered the chance for the cancer-free future she wanted. All she needed was a donor. He said, well, the only cure is a bone marrow transplant. And I said, okay, let's do that. If there's a cure, I want to be cured, and I want to do that. The first place Judy's doctors looked for a suitable matched donor was among her three siblings, each of whom had a 25% chance of being a match, and therefore, more than anyone else in the world. But one by one, each of their test results came back not even close, as Judy remembers. So Judy's team widened their search to the National Marrow Donor Registry, where, as a Hispanic woman, her transplant coordinator warned her that she had just a 46% chance of finding a minimum 7 out of 10 matched unrelated donor. If you're even going to find one, they said, be prepared to wait a while. But within two months, Judy got a phone call. called and said, Judy, you've got a perfect match. It was a mud matched unrelated donor. The first year after transplant is the most trepidatious. The body typically identifies and fights the new cells as foreign invaders, triggering what's called graft-versus-host disease, which can cause anything from a mild rash to an inflamed GI system to death. 
Judy's was relatively mild, and after the year passed, she was allowed to communicate with her donor, so she reached out to her transplant coordinator with a request. Judy sent the letter as soon as she could and was prepared to travel anywhere in the world to meet the person who'd saved her life. But a week later, Judy was devastated to hear that her donor didn't want to meet, although they did exchange letters for a while. Judy sharing her gratitude and her donor likening what they shared to the movie Pay It Forward. I was just, I was really heartbroken. I was really disappointed. And I think at that point too, I thought, okay, well then I'm just not gonna even try anymore. So I just kind of gave up. The years passed and Judy's transplant held, brought a remission and then a cure. The scans and blood tests became less frequent and cancer seemed further and further away. The sting of not meeting her donor still hurt, but little did she know, three years after her transplant, her mother on her deathbed would share a family secret she'd held since 1957 that would, in a way that neither Judy nor her siblings could ever imagine, change everything. Two years later in 2006, Judy was thriving post-transplant, back at work and going to checkups less and less frequently. But her mother, Delia, had been diagnosed with CUP, cancer of an unknown primary, and underwent treatment for both colon and breast cancer. Both failed, and within a year of diagnosis, her cancer metastasized to her liver and kidney, and Delia's diagnosis turned terminal. That was when Delia Batras decided to share with her children a secret she kept from them for 49 years. When the doctor told her there was nothing else for her to do, that's when she told us, listen, y'all have a sister, and before it passed, I want to see if y'all can find her. We were floored. Yeah, we were kind of like, what? Why have you kept yeah. this? But it was, you know, it was in the early 50s. Back yeah, then, it was time. just unheard of. You know, you just mm -hmm. didn't do it. It was a big shameful thing, and you would bring a bunch of shame on the family if anybody knew. So it was the big family secret. She had seven sisters. They all knew about it, but no one ever said anything. Delia also said that their father, her husband, was father to their oldest sister, too. The two had married after putting her up for adoption at birth. And she told them she thought of her first daughter every day, and it was her dying wish to see her again. So Judy and her siblings tried mightily to find their sister, but facing sealed adoption records and armed only with their sister's birth date and the name of the Michigan hospital where she was born, they never found her. Delia passed away in 2007 without ever seeing her first child again. But they did find one woman who met their sister's description, but her residency in Washington State convinced them it was just a coincidence. Years later, they learned it wasn't. So just like Judy gave up trying to meet her donor, the trail ran cold and she and her siblings gave up trying to meet their sister too. But some things just have a way of coming around. They were all waiting there and I just thought, you know, I, she, my biological mother knew I was alive, but none of them knew, none of, none of the other siblings knew. And so she might have been thinking and saying to herself, could this be my daughter I gave up, you know, wondering. If you could just say yeah. her name, just kind of get a level on this. Step. Janet McLeod. Where are you from? I am from Edmonds, Washington, originally born and raised in Michigan. Janet McLeod was adopted at birth into the Holka family in Traverse City, Michigan in 1957. After seeing how hurt her adopted mother was when her older sisters found their biological parents, Janet never sought out her own. 
In time, she made her way to Washington State, met her husband Scott, had two kids and a career in accounting, and now lives in a house in Edmonds, Washington with two dogs and panoramic views of Puget Sound. A lifetime blood donor, one particular donation in the fall of 2004 would change her life forever. I've been donating blood for, blood for many, many years. Mm -hmm. Even in college, I was involved with blood drives. and um, I had never been asked to donate to the bone mm -hmm. marrow. And I know that because I am a woman of color that they did need some of those people. Mm -hmm. And the one time I did go in to donate blood, they asked if I would get on the registry. And so I said, well, sure, why not? Um, not thinking that I would probably get called, but it seemed that it was just shortly after I was, I was called and um, they needed my bone marrow. And it turned out I was a perfect match to, for this person. I had asked them if, since I was adopted, um, if this possibly could be a, uh, a biological um, relative. And they said, yeah, there, there was a likelihood of that. A year after donating her bone marrow, Janet received a letter from Judy LaRaga, a single mother of two in Texas. They exchanged letters for a while, and Janet referenced the movie Pay It Forward in one of them to help explain why she donated. But with the possibility her recipient was a blood relative and still not ready to meet her biological family, Janet told Judy she didn't want to meet. So that was 15 years ago. Oh, wow. <laughs> and, um... I uh, have lost a, a lot of my family, my adoptive family, and um, I never really sought out my biological family until uh, my husband did. His, I got him the Ancestry.com mm -hmm. for Christmas, and he's been intrigued with it. And he's done all his background, he's done all my background, and he really thought he had found my biological relatives. So I, I did feel that, yeah, you know, I'm kind of curious now. And so I reached out to the next, the, on Ancestry, they give you who you're closest linked to. And when I reached out to him, my nephew, he said, oh my gosh, my mom's been looking for you and has known about you. Mm -hmm. um, and so first I asked him if he knew Delia about trust. Yeah. And um, he said, yes, that was my, my one of my favorite aunts. Mm -hmm. And he said, do you mind if I have my, my mom call you? And I said, no. So, um, and so he's like, she's gonna freak out. Uh -huh. <laughs> so, so she calls me right away and she, we just started we both kind of were, you know, you're a little hesitant at yeah, first. You just want to confirm things. Yeah. Yeah. So the more and more we talked and I told her, you know, I was born in Michigan and what year and my, my birth date. And um, and then at that point, too, I, you know, I found out she was in Texas. And when I when I donated my bone marrow, the only thing they really told me about her was that it was a young mother with two children in Texas. And I said, oh my gosh, I wonder if it's her. At that point, I just thought, I'm just going to ask her, did somebody receive bone marrow? I said, I had donated my bone marrow 15 years ago um, to some a young mother in Texas. And she just was like, oh my gosh. She's like, she couldn't believe it. And she said, when she called uh, Judy and Norma, she goes, you're going to have to sit down for this. <laughs> And she kept saying, and they're like, what? What's going on? What's going on? She's like, are you sitting? You have to be sitting down. 
<laughs> so then she ended up telling him she found me and then she ended up telling him that I was the donor and of, of Judy. So what was it, I mean, I guess there would have had to have been a moment, right, when you both realized, oh my gosh, this is my sister. Mm -hmm. Because of this thing that you did, because of all these little tiny confluence of this little thing happens. And this, mm -hmm. What was mm -hmm. that like? One moment. That moment when we were talking on the phone and we, and I said, and you wrote me this letter and I wrote her back. And she said, and you referenced this movie, Pay It Forward. And I said, yes, I did. And I still have her letter as well. And... Um, it was, it was, I just, it was unbelievable. It just seemed like it makes sense, you know? It just made sense that this, this was her. This was going to be somebody that I was going to be. And, and it all has come to a point where um, I was ready to have them in my life too, you know, now. Um, so the, the, it's always, you know, the timing is always just perfect. Judy flew up to Seattle with her older sister Norma in April of 2019. Coming up the escalator in the main terminal at the Seattle airport, they first laid eyes on their sister. For the first time in their lives, their family, Judy's second chance, and their mother's dying wish were all coming together at once. Judy told me, this whole story is about finding my sister. Not cancer, not pain, not uncertainty, not loss, but faith, family, and how one tiny question in a blood center 17 years ago can make everything as they say, be a perfect match. Thank you for listening to this episode of Bloodworks 101. For more information on blood donation or to make an appointment, please visit bloodworksnw.org. And to learn more about and join the National Marrow Donor Registry, go to bethematch.org. You never know if you're the one person someone needs to live. And if you have any ideas for future episodes, please send them to W Harper, that's W-H-A-R-P-E-R, -E at bloodworksnw.org. I am Bill Harper, and thank you, as always, for listening. We'll catch you next time.